We're, we're in the middle of this, this series uh, that Luke so aptly named uh, Encounters of Worship. And we've been looking at stories from the Gospels that describe events where people meet Jesus and they respond in worship to him. So far, we've talked about the, the wise men who travel to meet Jesus when he's born. And uh, we covered the story about when, the, how, when Peter, the apostle, met Jesus. And two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Luke taught on the story of the blind man who Jesus healed outside of the temple. Last week, Pastor Paul Jeffries shared with us uh, a story uh, about the, the woman who barged in on a dinner, uh, laid down at Jesus' feet and washed them with her tears and with perfume. Now, one thing that we didn't um, find out during the sermon last week, which don't worry, I found out for you guys second service because he was here. Uh, he got a very close second place in that legs contest he was in. Just so you guys know. No, I actually don't know what place he got. He said he didn't win. I didn't want to. He's got nice legs. So, um, but, uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of awkward. But, uh, but these gospel stories that we've been learning about, they involve people who have had direct contact with the Messiah the one true savior of us all. And their interactions with him radically changed their lives from those moments forward. These are only a few of the stories um, that, that we find that are just like this in the Gospels. I mean, literally everywhere that Jesus went, people who met him or, or heard him speak, they had their eyes open to the reality that they were in the presence of the Almighty. And he healed them, he served them, and he changed their eternities. Today, I, I get to share another story about an encounter that someone had with Jesus that had a similar result. It's a somewhat popular story that many of us have heard about the time that Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well. It's a powerful and, and really, really big story about uh, shame and acceptance, uh, about stepping across social barriers for the sake of God's kingdom. And it's, it's a wonderful metaphor about the reality that the living God is our one true source of life. And really, the only source that can sustain our spirits. And that's what I want to talk about today. The, the idea that we need to be drawing from this uh, never-ending spiritual well that is Jesus Christ. This story is found in uh, John chapter four, uh, if you wanna follow along. I'll be telling the story in more of kind of a, a life group bit of a format. Um, but let me get you up to speed. Uh, Jesus and his disciples were traveling from Judea to Galilee, and this required that they travel through Samaria. And they stopped in a town called Sychar. This is the land that um, Jacob had given to his son Joseph many years prior. Now, we know that Jews and Samaritans, they didn't really associate with each other, and that's kind of putting it lightly. We, we know that they actually kind of hated each other, and they had a long history of hating each other. Their history went all the way back to the time of Jacob, who was the son of Isaac. And you could say this feud was kind of like book of Genesis 
old, um, and so old that I would suppose that um, some of the Jews and, and Samaritans kind of forgot the reasons why they even disliked each other. Simply, they just looked at each other um, and their different customs and religious practices, and they looked down on one another because of it. And um, so Jesus and his disciples, they stroll into this, this town, Sychar, which is Samaritan turf, and these guys are obviously different. They're obviously Jewish, and I'm sure by now they're causing heads to turn when they're going in. Um, and they head straight to the well, to, to Jacob's well, because they know that it's there. And they were hot and they were tired and they were thirsty from their morning's walk. And it was about noon, the scriptures say. And, and this is where they split up. Jesus, he stayed at the well to rest and um, the disciples went on to go find lunch. And while Jesus was sitting there, a Samaritan woman walked up to draw water. So Jesus asked her for a drink of water. And she's shocked, right? I mean, first off, she's a Samaritan. And we know that Samaritans and Jews didn't get along. But Jewish men didn't talk to women in public. So most women would have just ignored him, but not this one. She's kind of got a little bit of spunk. And... She responds with almost a little bit of attitude, it sounds, and she says, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And Jesus responds in his, his really exceptional way. He's always captivate, captivating minds and causing people to think really big, deep thoughts. And he says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So now he really has her attention, right? And, and she says, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and this well is deep. Where can you get this, this living water? And Jesus answers with this. He says, everyone who drinks, from the, fr- drinks the water from this well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of living water welling up to eternal life. So now, if she wasn't already, she's totally swept up by Jesus' words now. And she she says to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. There's that spunk again, right? Just kind of a little little smarty pants. Um, And she's excited. And this is where the story kind of takes a turn and it gets, it gets really real because Jesus, sensing her, her excitement, he says, go, call your husband and come back. And the story turns because if we know this story, we know that this woman has had a particularly troubled past in the husband department especially. And Jesus just dropped this, this bomb on her. And this is how she responds. She says, I have no husband. To which Jesus says, you're right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands. And the man that you're with now, the man, excuse me, the man that you now have is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. So what happened here? We... We can see that this woman was just 
totally laid bare by Jesus. All of our sin and all of our shame was exposed by him. It's been dragged out right in front of her. It's been brought out into the light. But this man, this Jesus, he's not looking at her like everyone else looks at her. And you can almost kind of feel this moment where he's looking at her and he says, you know what, I know everything about you and it doesn't change a thing. I still have this living water for you. You know, even today, as, as broken as this world is, I think many of us would be really surprised if, if we knew someone who had been married five times and was now living with their sixth person. And, and, and this time, it would be extremely shaming to have a past like this. And Jesus keeps pushing in and keeps pressing into the matter, and he doesn't do it because he wants to shame her, but he's doing it because he needs to set her free. See, in order for Jesus to give her this living water, he's gonna need to clean out the debris that's in her bucket. He's gonna have to shake off the mess. And, and, and that's really the point, right? Jesus isn't afraid of our mess either. He, he's not afraid of our stuff. Our past and, and our sins are not too big for him. And if we're gonna have these well-watered souls, and if we're gonna be in touch with our source, which is Jesus, he's gonna have to clean out our junk too. If we're gonna be people who are in tune with the heart of God, and continually drawing from this well of living water, we first need to allow ourselves to be vulnerable. We need to lay our own sin out on the table and let Jesus drag it all out into the light so that we can be healed and so that we can be restored. And then, and only then, will we be able to have this living water that Jesus speaks about flowing through our spirits. So from here, Jesus and the woman, they go on talking and they talk about things um, like how to worship God and where to worship. And she mentions the Messiah and she says that when he comes, he's gonna answer all these things. And Jesus, he looks, looks right at her and he says, you know, this one that you're waiting for, this one that you speak of, I am he. And that's the key to this whole thing, right? It's, it's always Christ that's revealed that is gonna unlock the, the well in our soul. And so what happens next with this woman when we read on, we know that it's really the most natural thing that could happen, right? She has encountered Jesus and she now has an understanding of him. She believes in him and she goes on and she bears fruit. Her experience allows others to encounter the same divine nature of Jesus that she experienced firsthand. So as we wrap up the story, it says this woman had an encounter with the divine presence of Jesus. That's the first point that, that I was able to pull in. And it's not just a, she didn't just have a theological conversation or a religious activity. Clearly, she already knew about the Messiah, but she had a real encounter with the true nature of Jesus. And because of this encounter, she was able to receive healing and redemption for her own story. 
for, for her own context that, that applied directly to her situation. And from this encounter and from this healing, she was given the true revelation of Christ and of his nature. Then, because of her encounter with Jesus, she bore fruit. In uh, John chapter 15, uh, Jesus is speaking, and he says, it's to, to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. And bearing fruit, it comes from abiding or remaining in him. It, it doesn't come from our busyness or, or our work, like some of us seem to think. It, it, that same passage in John 15, verse four, uh, it, it says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Most of us are, are so busy. We, we cloud our lives with the day-to-day, and we, we, we just put so much on our plates. We try to, try to fuel our whole spiritual life from that one initial encounter that we had with Jesus. We forget to do what's most important, and that is to continually draw from that well by abiding in Christ. That's what allows him to dwell in us richly. And I mean, we can all relate to this Samaritan woman's story, right? If you're a follower of Jesus, this is really your story too. We, we've all wandered through the wilderness with our, our dirty buckets, looking to fill them up with whatever we could. And, and we've, we've come to a place where we've met Jesus and we've been given this revelation of who he is and it changed us forever. It kind of wrecked us. And, and from there, we went to tell the people that we knew about this grace of God that we found through Jesus Christ. But over time, many of us have, have kind of let that fire burn out in our hearts and let that flame dwindle out a little, little bit. And this is where I see that this story isn't really just about this one-time encounter that this woman had, but it's really about a pattern that each of us can adopt in our own daily lives. It's not enough to, to have just received this redemption or healing or revelation from God. This encounter with Jesus is something that needs to be ongoing. If we're gonna be people who are, are bearing fruit and people who have these, these well-watered souls, then we need to adapt disciplines and patterns that will allow us to be continually encountering the divine presence of God. We have to be continually allowing Jesus to heal our souls, to fill us up with living water. We need to be continually experiencing the goodness of God for our own hearts, for our own souls, and then, and and really only then, will we be at a place where we can pour out to others and bear much fruit, and so that we can be spiritual guides for other people in this life. So I want to talk a little bit about some practical ways that, that we can do this, ways that we can be drawing from this well of living water. Throughout Scripture and, and throughout the ages, really, maybe you know some people who do this, but we see people who are engaging in spiritual disciplines. I know that sounds really big, but really all that means is 
Spiritual disciplines are regular activities that Christians engage in. They're, they're patterns or habits uh, that people maintain in order to promote spiritual growth. There are lots of them. The most common ones that we, that we all recognize are, are prayer or devotion and study. Uh, and there are some that are a little bit less um, practiced nowadays or spoken about. And we hear about them, though. They're, they're like fasting and solitude, silence and secrecy. Uh, and, and I, I want to talk about uh, two of those that maybe we don't really know so much or we're not really engaging in so much in our lives. I'd like to talk about silence and solitude. What, what I see here from this story and, and this well of living water is that we Christians, we followers of Christ, we really need to establish repeatable rhythms of retreat and, a, and of rest in our lives. We need Sabbath. Now, we know that the Sabbath has origin in the creation story. You know, God created the earth in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. And later on in the Old Testament, uh, it talks about uh, Jesus, or God commands his people to, um, to keep this, to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. And when Jesus was here on this earth, he declared that he is the Sabbath. And and when he made that declaration, he was pretty much saying the same thing as he is in this story, that he has living water for all of us. In Discipleship 1, that, the, the first passage of Scripture that we all memorize is um, Psalm 1, 1 through 3. It, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And this is such a, a perfect picture to me, because the passage, it doesn't speak of some traveler finding the river and getting a drink and walking away, but it describes a tree. And trees don't move. This tree is thriving because it has been placed and is abiding right next to its source. Its roots are, are directly connected to living water. We also know in the ever common passage of Psalm 23 that it speaks to this when it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. We need to be taking time to be still in the presence of God. Our souls need rest. And real rest for our weary souls is only found when we are actually abiding in Christ or remaining in Christ. King David wrote in Psalm 119, he said, seven times a day I praise you for your righteous laws. What if we, seven times a day, we pushed back whatever it was that we were up to, whatever we were doing, um, we shut off our phone, we tuned out all of our distractions, and we just sat and reflected on the goodness of God. What if we took the time to, to sit and realize that this whole universe is constantly in motion and it's all been set in perfect harmony by the one true God, the creator of it all, who loves you, but it has absolutely nothing to do with your work 
or your toil. I'm convinced that if we were to give God two minutes, just seven times a day, to just stop and to abide in him and worship him with our thoughts, that this well of living water would just begin to rise up in our hearts. So I want to challenge you. Give this a shot. I've I've kind of started it, uh, and it's been just wonderful for me. Take two minutes, seven times a day, and stop and thank God for his goodness. I also believe that we need to be carving out extended periods of time to be alone with God. In other words, we need to practice that discipline of solitude. This is something that Pastor Luke really tried to speak into me when I was first on staff here. And uh, after a while, he gave up because I I didn't do it once. Um, (laughs) And I'm not proud of that, but it's something that I see in his life, and I see how vital it is to him. And it's something that I am going to be committing to to going forward and doing, and I want to invite you guys to do this with me. So here's what I'm going to do, and maybe you want to adopt something similar, but I'm going to put a a date on the calendar that's less than 60 days from now. And on that day, I'm going to take an eight-hour mini vacation, and I'm just going to go be alone with God. And I hope that this, this is a, a beginning of, of a discipline for me or a habit. And I invite all of you guys to hold me accountable on it. Really find out when I'm going, because I need your help. <laughs> and uh, make sure I follow up. And I invite you to, to jump into this with me. And, and if you do this, don't just sit in your home for a day or, or like just kind of just don't even get out of bed and keep the covers on you. Get outside, get out in nature, uh, and, and experience God's creation while you're spending time with him. We see a pattern of Jesus doing this in the Gospels. You know, he, he went to the mountain to pray. Uh, on the night he was betrayed, he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane outside. That was when he prayed his famous prayer, not my will, but yours be done. And there's just something so inspiring about nature and God's creation that just draws us to immediately be thinking really big thoughts about him. So as we withdraw from our own, our own daily hustle and we move toward God in secrecy and solitude, there we're gonna be able to find his will and his nature and his heart. And I have the third thing here um, that's a little bit easier, but uh, when, we, when we pray alone, We need to be praying more than just prayers of petition to God. To pray for God to work a miracle in your life or someone else's, or to pray for breakthrough, or to ask God to to provide something for you are all good things to pray for. But we need to be praying more prayers of confession. We need to be praying to God about how he's our peace and he's our source. And we need to be... um, praying prayers that are more, more contemplative. And by contemplative, I mean that we need to be still in the presence of God when we're in prayer with him. Then we'll be able to hear his voice. There's a man that I know um, uh, who I respect so much. Uh, I, I know that he's a very godly man, and we were talking a while back, and 
he said, hey, Kirk, you know what I did the other day? I sat down to pray, and I said, okay, God, I'm just gonna shut up. And then he sat there, and he just sat with God, and he was with God, and he told me that that, we, we talked about it longer, but he told me about how it was just the most precious time that he's ever had with his heavenly father in his life. And you know, really, by doing this, he was abiding in Christ. He was remaining in him. And this activity, or this discipline, was allowing him to draw from that well of living water that Jesus promises all of us. So, you guys, let's be people who, who rest in Jesus. Let's stay in touch with our source of life. Let's keep on uh, tapping into this well of living water by choosing to remain in Jesus. This is what will enable us to no longer feel like we're running on fumes or, or dragging our buckets through the desert dying of thirst. As we care for our souls in this way, our perspectives and our priorities will be more in line with the word of God and be more in line with the nature of his son, Jesus. And this will allow this, this living water, the Holy Spirit, to, to become in us a spring of water that wells up and allows us to bear fruit. We won't remain thirsty. We'll be just like that tree planted by streams of living water. Our leaves won't wither and we won't burn out. And the Spirit of God will dwell in us richly as we remain and we abide in him, amen? So I got some homework for you, sorry. I already kind of listed it out, and I know I, I, I'm up here like once every 10 years, and I think this is the second time I gave you homework. But do this with me. Let's see if we can commit to this. Let's see if it, it makes a change in our perspective. Um, to, to go back over them, the, the number one is the, the King David, seven times a day, two minutes of silent reflection and worship. Uh, if seven times is too much, start with two or three. Start with one. Um, but, but put a little effort towards this. I think we'll find that there, are some pretty, there, there can be some pretty precious times had with our Heavenly Father together when we just rest and reflect on his goodness. And then number two is the, the big one. Make a plan to take an extended amount of time to be alone with God, preferably in nature, and make this at least a couple of hours, if you can. And, and commit to removing all distractions. Put away your phone. Put away anything that's gonna, gonna remove your focus from the presence of God. And I'm serious, you guys. Let, hold me accountable and see if I'm doing this, because I really wanna do this. I think this is really gonna be an important one for me. But also number three is kind of the easy one. When you pray, take a portion of your prayer time to be still and to listen for God's voice. Contemplate on how awesome he is. If you have five minutes to pray, if you take five minutes, take one or two of those minutes and, and do this and just rest in God. Hopefully, you guys, these, these three practices will, will lead all of us on a path to spiritual growth and we will be disciples who are constantly drawing from this well of living water that is the Spirit of God. Amen? All right. Can you guys rise to your feet? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, hallowed and awesome and wonderful is your name. You created this earth. 
and all things in it for your glory, and you created those things with us in mind. God, that you would love each and every one of us the way that you do is just a fascinating thing. And Lord, I pray that we would be disciples of of Jesus who take the time and focus to be drawing from the living water that Jesus provides. Jesus, may you stir in our hearts in new ways. Holy Spirit, may you allow this living water to be a well, to be a spring that flows out of us so richly so that we can be a blessing to, the others, to others in our life and so that we can go forth and do your work for your kingdom. God, may you get all the honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You guys, it's, it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless on the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. I love you guys. Have a great day.